Well, good morning and welcome to your province, your premier, right here on 770CHQR in Calgary and up in Edmonton on 630CHED. I'm your host for this week, Mike Tarasco. Wayne Nelson should be back next week and I'll deliver this message off the top. Probably not as nicely as Wayne does because he's very well practiced. But here we go. This is, of course, your opportunity to talk directly to still Premier Jason Kenney to ask him questions about what the government's up to or maybe what the government isn't doing that you would like them to do. And, of course, the big topic this week likely to be Kenny's ongoing leadership of the party, uh, what happened over this past week with the leadership vote, etc. Now, you can reach us in Calgary by phone or text at 403-974-8255 or in Edmonton at 780-496-0063. We also do have a toll-free number, 1-800-563-7770. And, of course, you can also text us at those numbers as well. Now, a reminder, this show is all about providing you access to the Premier. Our callers are not preset. We have no boundaries around which subjects we discuss, and ultimately, we decide which callers go to air, not the government. We now welcome to the show Premier Jason Kenney. Mr. Kenney, welcome. Good morning. Great to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you here. We weren't uh, sure this was going to happen, and I don't think anybody would blame you if you said, you know what, let's take the weekend off. So uh, thanks for doing this. <laughs> no, I'm, listen, I'm still doing my job and uh, got an answer for the government, so that's why I'm here. Mm-hmm. Well, no shortage of excitement this week for you, sir. Let's uh, start with Wednesday when the leadership review vote was announced. I think many of us, whether we're members of the public or the media, we can often forget there is a person behind the politician uh, what was Wednesday like for Jason Kenny the person? Well, it was um, a pretty regular day for me until uh, I, uh, you know, got ready for the um, announcement of results of the leadership review vote. When I was given the number by the party president uh, on the phone, just about um, I guess half an hour before I went on stage, uh, I was admittedly surprised uh, because the the number did not kind of correspond to what I've been hearing all around the province, and uh, and so uh, I have, I'll have to tell you the first thought that went through my mind was was a little bit of relief. Um, th- th- I've been in elected life for, for 25 years, and um, I, it was never my expectation to be in this job for a long time. Um, I've spent, you know, I spent the better part of three years trying to get the uh, Free Enterprise Party united so we could uh, uh, ensure there wasn't a vote split in the last election. Uh, had so, a, a lot of policy ambition that we've already achieved. And um, so when I... Uh, leave as as premier i will leave with my head held high uh, with what we've done together as a team uh, as i've said before uh, if the members uh, didn't want me to stay on or wanted to clear the air with the leadership election uh, i would totally respect that um, as i've always respected the democratic process and i would uh, salute happily and thank people for the privilege of having had the best job in the country now you had been saying right up i believe uh, until uh, the results were 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 shown that you would stay on if you had 50% plus one, because that's all that's needed according to the bylaws of the party. Ultimately, though, uh, you did decide to step down, even though you got 51.4% of the vote. So why that decision? 
Well, I actually didn't say I would stay on regardless of the number. I, I just repeated that the simple fact that the legal threshold in our, the UCP constitution for a leadership review is 50% plus one, and that that is a majority in a democracy, that in a leadership election, that's the threshold, in a nomination, that's the threshold, because I don't think it's useful to get into a numbers game where people start batting around some a, a magic number. None, none exists. You know, when you're in a position like me, you have to make a judgment call. It's just, just that simple. And, um, it, you know, it was clear to me that I, I legally could have carried on uh, with the support of the majority of people who voted, but uh, it, that would likely invite uh, yet more distraction and division. And I, I want this government focused on the people's business, not on internal party politics. So uh, I decided that the responsible thing to do would be to, to let the membership clear the air in a leadership election. And that's what's exactly what's going to happen. Okay. What's next for Jason Kenney then? There, there are some pundits that really do believe you still plan to run for leadership for the party, uh, despite announcing that you're stepping down. Is that your plan? Do we expect to see your name on the ballot? No. And uh, if that was the case, I would step. I would have stepped down as leader uh, earlier this week, um, because you know, so I'm I'm focused on. Uh, continuity and stability, doing the people's business, focusing on priorities. We are in a challenging time, you know, um, with uh, record high, well, I should say record 35-year high inflation and increasing interest rates. There's a lot of signs that the global economy may be headed into a stagflation-driven recession. And uh, now I think Alberta is going to be better insulated from that, partly because we've got our finances back in order. Our, our economy is expanding at such a pace, and commodity prices are high. So much like the global financial crisis of 2008, I think we are better prepared to weather the storm. Um, I would like to say in part because of our government's pro-growth policies, but I think we need some stability in place. We, need, we also need stability on some other critical files. For example... Uh, we won a critical victory uh, at the Alberta Appeal Court uh, last week, an four-to-one decision striking down the Trudeau government's Bill C-69, the No More Pipelines Law. And I am very focused on getting as many provinces as possible uh, and organizations across the country to support Alberta when that goes to appeal at the Supreme Court of Canada. So I'm going to leverage my relationships with other premiers, with um, uh, industry leaders and First Nations leaders to get that support. Uh, we also have a number of other critical uh, files with other provinces. In major investment files, we still need to land multi-billion dollar job-creating projects projects that are connected in part to relationships that I've built with major business leaders. So I want to be able to, uh, you know, use the time that's left here uh, to land some of those important priorities for Alberta and let the party deal with the leadership election. Uh, speaking of the time that's left for you, uh, Mr. Kenny, do you have an outline? Does the party know when this leadership uh, battle is going to officially begin? I guess it's kind of already officially begun without, you know, necessarily saying yeah. so. But do we know when that uh, that vote might happen? So, no, we don't. Uh, the elected board of the United Conservative Party will probably in the next week or so be appointing what's called a leadership election organizing committee. Uh, they will then meet and they will uh, choose a date. So I would... I would probably expect a, a date to be known uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. Um, in our Canadian system, these single-member vote leadership elections, usually they take an absolute minimum of two months. And uh, Well, the last federal one went on for uh, eight or nine months. I certainly don't expect that. So I, I think uh, I'm not going to speculate about the date, but um, they'll, they'll be, they'll, they have the responsibility of choosing that date. My focus is just ensuring... Uh, uh, continuity, stability, and competent government in the interim. 
Okay, sounds good. We're going to take a, a break a little bit earlier than usual here because I've got a full phone board already lined up. Not surprising. We'll get to the calls after the break. But um, once again, just a reminder to those calling in, please be as concise as possible with your questions. As previously mentioned, we have a ton of calls to get through today. Would like to get to as many as possible. Those numbers, once again, 403-974-8255 for Calgary, Edmonton, 780 780- Four nine six zero zero six three or toll free at one eight hundred five six three seven 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 zero. I'm Mike Tarasco. You're listening to your province, your premier on six thirty Ched and seven seventy CHQR. Welcome back to your province, your premier, Mike Tarasco in this hot seat. So I guess Jason Ken is really more in the hot seat for this particular show, but I am filling in for Wayne Nelson. He will be back next week and want to get to the phone lines uh, quickly here as we do have a full form phone board and lots of people wanting to talk to Premier Kenny right now. So let's go to Don in Edmonton. Don, you're on the air with Premier Kenny and a reminder, please try to keep the question short. Hi there. Uh, my question is, thanks for having me on, by the way. No problem. Um, uh, what does it take to get all the conservatives to agree to disagree? Like, nobody's ever going to agree 100% on anything. They have to set up a, some kind of system where they can say, okay, we're all locally, uh, our MLAs are locally voted for. So, And everybody has different ideals, different this, different that. But mm-hmm. the, um, if they don't get everything together and learn to get along and hold hands together, whatever they need to do. Um, we're going to be back where we ha- were before you got in and uh, be 90, what was it? She did $99 billion in the four-year term of that. Yeah. Well, it's just insane. Th- thanks, Don. <laughs> uh, you put your finger on, on a critical issue. I mean, look, the reason I, I gave up my only paycheck to crisscross the province for uh, a couple of years uh, trying to reunite free enterprises was exactly because uh, conservatives in Alberta had spent a decade uh, in division uh, focused on their small differences rather than uh, the, the vast majority of things that they believe in common. And um, all I can tell you is this, that uh, when I was a member of the, you know, the, I, I helped Stephen Harper in his effort to unite conservatives nationally, and, and that led to 10 years of, I think, pretty good conservative government. Um, and in that caucus, we had people from Newfoundland to British Columbia. We had Anglophones and Francophones. We had people across a wide range of beliefs. I mean, I remember one of my uh, seatmates in caucus was uh, Senator Nancy Ruth, who would describe herself as a progressive red Tory from downtown Toronto, from the LGBT uh, community. And the other person sitting next to me was Myron Thompson from Wildrose, who would describe himself as an Alberta redneck. And, you know, we didn't all agree on everything all the time, but uh, we still found a way to work together respectfully and uh, I think that's that's a critical thing uh, I would uh, just <laughs> the, the first words I said to our caucus on uh, Thursday morning were uh, whatever happens I, I strongly recommend that people involved in the upcoming leadership election uh, do so remembering that you've got, all got to come out of this united uh, don't do or say things that will create permanent divisions in this movement because if you do you're just handing government over to the NDP I just want to follow up on that, uh, Mr. Kenny. The some people might argue that the division has happened under your hand, under your guidance, under your leadership. It's it's already there. It's already within the party. So they might argue that you know maybe you should just step aside and let somebody else 
take this job temporarily until that new leader is found. How would you respond to that? Well, I would respond by saying I'm, I'm literally the leader that helped to bring the party uh, together, uh, that won the largest Democratic mandate in Alberta history, uh, the first party ever to be elected with over a million votes. And that's where my primary accountability is. It's to Albertans from that electoral mandate. Uh, and uh, as Premier, I, I'm responsible to serve the people who elected me. Those are my constituents in Calgary Lougheed, and they're the one point one million Alberta voters. And uh, I do believe that, uh, you know, uh, most Conservatives uh, agree that we need to move forward. Apparently, a lot want a leadership election. They're going to get one. Um, But there's no doubt that COVID threw a huge uh, curveball into the heart of our coalition. Uh, You had a, a fair number of people uh, who believed that there should have been little or no COVID restrictions. And you had a lot of people getting involved in this leadership campaign who are um, passionately opposed to vaccines. I don't believe that those are, are widely held mainstream convictions in Alberta. And I've got to govern uh, according to the, my assessment of what is the broad public interest here. All right. Let's go to Graydon in Sturgeon County. Graydon, you're on with uh, Premier Kenny. Hey, Premier Kenny. How are you doing? Good, thanks, Graydon. Hey, uh, I want to thank you very much for your service, and uh, you did a really good job. Too bad you're going to be uh, shutting her down. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I get a life now, eh? At least I get my even, <laughs> might get the odd e- we- weekend off. I got to tell you, when they gave me the number, I like honestly, I was a little selfish. The first thing I thought is, wow, I, I can do some things, some personal things I, I've, I've had on hold for many years. Yeah, you know what. It's too bad you didn't get the pipeline, though, bud. Well, we did get one, which is Enbridge Line 3, and that's plus well, three, 380,000 barrels a day. And um, we're, we're, we're getting uh, TMX done and, uh, and uh, Northern Gate, sorry, uh, Coastal Gas Link. So I'll tell you, I'm happy that one of the high points I get to go on on was my appearance at the U.S. Senate Energy Committee last week, uh, where mm-hmm. I think we just lit it up with Alberta's story about how we can be America's solution to their energy problems. Hey, Grady, do you have a exactly. question for the premier? Exactly. You've got like you you you've done a good job. Uh, it's too bad you're gone. Oh well. Well, thanks, Grady. Uh, I appreciate it. My question to you is: Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> Are you going to enjoy your retirement? Well, listen, I, I'm 53. I think I'm a little too young for to retire, but um, <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy whatever comes next. Next, I, I'm I'm I guarantee you. Okay. Okay. Take care, man. Thanks for the call, Graydon. Uh, just a follow-up to that from the text line, Premier. You mentioned going down to the U.S. and uh, proclaiming our energy story here in Alberta, which is an awesome story, of course, and we need to do that. But I do have a question from the text line asking, why are you not pushing this story more in, at the House of Commons in Ottawa rather than continually going down to the U.S.? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I would say we have. I mean... What, what do you think the lawsuit against Trudeau's Bill 6069 was? That was uh, going straight at them on the law they passed to try to Bigfoot into our backyard to control our resources. And central to our strategy to fight back for a stronger Alberta has been this constitutional challenge of the No More Pipelines law. Of course, the usual pundits dismissed it, ridiculed us, but the appeal court in a persuasively argued four to one decision said that basically the that law would turn the federation on its head it's a clear violation of section 92a which of the constitution giving alberta exclusive jurisdiction over the development of our resources and so you know the day let me see what was it correct the day after i was sworn in 
I flew down to Ottawa and met with Prime Minister Trudeau and told him that we would sue him on that bill if he proceeded with it on the carbon tax. And we, I mean, we, I am, I lobbied the Canadian Senate and they accepted every single one of our amendments to that bill. They also voted to delete the, the tanker ban. So we've had, you know what? We've actually had some, we've gone straight after Ottawa. Uh, we got from them the regulatory power to control major industrial GHG emissions and uh, methane regulations and uh, northern um, habitat protection. These have been big wins for the Alberta oil industry, and we're, we've, we certainly haven't stopped yet. All right, let's head back to the phones. Julie in Calgary has a question about, I believe, the economy. Hello, Preet Maria. Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm going to miss you, and I just want to tell you a little bit why I'm um, really rethinking my fit for the UCP party. I've come full circle. I was really against COVID restrictions, and my asthma took a turn for the worst, and um, my doctors were putting pressure on me that I had to do this, so my husband, you know, um, came to the table and rolled up his sleeve and we did it and then it all became so silly how we were you know buying into um a part of a party that was really nothing but sour grapes i understand everybody has an opinion about everything but mm-hmm. um what became my more focus if i was going to um be who i thought i was um in a conservative community it was about the economy and I couldn't be prouder of you. You've really turned the chapter on that. I see you've put us back in the lane that Alberta should be in, and you should continue to do that work. And it breaks my heart that sour grapes are going to still be sour grapes when you're gone. Mm. I don't think that, you know, you stepping aside or them pushing you out changes the fact. And um, I guess the basis of my call is how do you feel that this, your, your contacts, your beliefs, your experience is exactly why you got your majority and why we were so behind you. COVID threw us off track. Yeah. And um, I've talked to many people, and it's still throwing us off track. Yeah. And even those with the sour grapes aren't true conservatives if they can't see the bigger picture. And you do see the bigger picture. Yeah. And you thank you so much for that. But thank you, Julie. For the party. Um, I think they better really give their heads a shake. It, we have to stop making this about sour grapes, and COVID's just the sour grape. It's not the bigger issues in the party that people just aren't agreeing. Yeah, Ju- so Julie, sorry to cut you off here. Do you, do you have a question for the Premier? We just have a lot of callers waiting to, to yeah. talk to him. Well, how do you see the economy going now? Yeah. Who's going to be the push? Where would you? Who would you put us towards? Because I'm sure. hopeless now. Thank you, Julie. Well, I, there's a great deal of what you said. There's a lot of wisdom in, in what I think what you just said. And you um, talked about, you know, your own anger about restrictions. And then I think you implied you were picking up a lot of um, vaccine hostility from social media and whatnot in certain circles. I think that's what's driven a lot of, of the anger. And there's also some sour grapes from from even before we formed government. Um, and uh, but but that is what it is. And uh, now, going forward, you're right to focus on the economy. That's what we as conservatives have to do. It's our strongest suit. And here we are leading Canada in economic growth and in job growth. There's been about 165,000 net new jobs created in Alberta since the beginning of 2021. We just saw the uh, the credit rating agencies are starting to uh, uh, upgrade our credit rating. We have the first balanced budget in 14 years. 
uh, both oil and gas is strong. It's an industry the NDP wanted us to give up on. It's the Trudeau Liberals are almost trying to kill, and we've never stopped defending it. Uh, we have a lot of allies, as we could see in Washington last week, but we're also seeing historic diversification. And, and in the mid to long term, I think we are poised for an amazing Alberta sustainable recovery and diversification with um, probably upwards of, tw- of $30 billion of capital investment in petrochemicals. Uh, we're probably talking upwards of $20 billion or more in hydrogen projects, uh, perhaps $30 billion or more in capital investments in carbon capture, utilization and storage infrastructure, all of those things supported by the policy framework we've created. Um, in addition, huge investments in forestry, in tech, tech and information technology, digital venture capital, taking off like a rocket, fastest growing tech sector in North America is here in Alberta. Film and television, that's gone up by tenfold from $100 million a year to a billion a year. So right across the economy, I think there's great reasons to be optimistic about Alberta. And just to follow up from the text line on that, uh, Mr. Premier, uh, just because uh, Julie mentioned uh, quite a bit about COVID and the vaccine, et cetera, do we have any updates on uh, when vax, the, the fourth COVID vaccination will be available to a wider population here in Alberta? No, we don't. We're waiting for advice, scientific advice from both the Canadian and the Alberta Advisory Committees on Immunization. It is available, I think, to people north of 70 and those, of course, with uh, unique, um, who are immunocompromised or have uh, particular health conditions. Uh, but in terms of a more general rollout, uh, we wait for the advice from the scientists on that. Okay, thank you. Let's head back to the phone lines. Uh, Justin in Edmonton, you're on with Premier Kenny. What is your question? Uh, good morning. Thank you for your service. I'm sorry that you had to go in this way. My, um, <clears throat> I just hope that whatever happens next for the UCP, it will be about looking towards the province's future and not about settling scores from the past. So my question to you is what legacy do you hope to leave for this province? Well, thanks, Justin. I, I hope one one legacy will be the uh, a united Conservative Party, and uh, I, I think that's central. Um, that's what I spent so much time trying to build. The um, but I think the economic strategy that I've just outlined is has the potential to take this province to a whole new level. And uh, I think you're going to see, I mean, we're already leading the country in economic growth. One of the emerging challenges here and frankly around the developed world is the demographic crunch as the baby boomers are beginning to retire and we have negative birth rates. Uh, and so all, most of the investors that I speak with, and by the way, I just want to be clear about one thing. I know, I know there's some people out there who imagine I spend half my time in, in sort of political scheming. The truth is that through this leadership review campaign, I spent 85% of my time on government business at least. And over the past three years, a huge amount of my time on investment promotion. You don't bring these huge investments here by accident. It takes constant work in relationship building, um, getting the right policy setting. Um, and But the number one issue many of them raise with me is future labor shortages. So with the relatively lower cost of living here, the lower taxes, the higher incomes, the the, the real estate uh, a, a differential between here, B.C. and Ontario, I think we are set for a tsunami of people joining us here in Alberta, and they will be the workers, the skilled workers of the future uh, to fuel that increasingly diversified economy. Hopefully that will be a legacy. Thank you so much for the call. Let's move on to uh, Simone in Stony. not sure, Stony somewhere. Uh, Simone, you're on with the Premier. Good morning, Mr. Kenny. Good morning. First of all, I want to say thank you very, very much for what you've done for us. Um, You've given us an Alberta that is 
really, really nice to live in. I don't see myself moving anywhere else outside of um, living anywhere else outside of this province. Um, you've balanced our budget. You've done so much. It really, really hurts my heart to see you go. As a young person, um, was my first time voting. Um, what I need to ask now is, with the position that you are currently in, how do you see yourself helping the party to unify itself and putting itself in a better position for us to take over the country once again? Mm. Well, um, you know, that's going to be up to the party, Simone. I mean, I've, uh, my job now is to focus on stability and continuity in the government during a, a period of potential economic challenges from around the world and 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 to get the job done on a number of like we've already delivered substantially on about 88 percent of our election promises um but uh i'd like to be able to hand off to the newly elected leader um a a worksheet that's largely done so they can start with the fresh slate set their own agenda get ready for the next election and a platform but really simone whether the party stays united will be up to the party and i would just strongly encourage anybody entering this leadership election um to be super mindful of that uh unity is should never be taken for granted uh, i made this point that you know back in 2004 or 5 ralph klein after winning four majority of governments was pretty much um kicked to the curb he won i think 54 percent in a leadership review vote and that set off a decade of division um we cycled through i think four pc premiers and we had two conservative parties and the ndp that's how they won and uh, I, I just advise my uh colleagues who are who is running uh, just don't let that happen again um, put the province first keep keep your egos in check focus on constructive policy debates don't tear down and please move on from COVID. for goodness sakes don't run leadership campaigns based on a once in a century aberration that was deeply divisive uh, to our party a follow-up to that, uh, is there a leader out there that you view that, that can bring this party together and, and keep them united? Uh, I, there may well be, but it's uh, not my job. I should not be endorsing candidates. I'm, I'll be a keen observer, but I'm not going to get mixed up in that. Okay, just needed to ask because it know, came in on the text shot, line. Good so. effort. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I got to do my job, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, also getting quite a few questions about Aish once again this week, uh, Mr. Premier. Uh, one person pointing out with the balance, with the budget now being balanced, is there some more money there to, to give out to those people that are on Aish? Well, uh, I, I always thank you for that. And I let me just start by saying um, that... One of my very first jobs when I was a teenager, actually, was working with a charity that uh, provided uh, better quality of life to the severely disabled people, like, for example, high stem quadriplegics and so on. And, and when I was, I think, 16, 17, I, I spent some time at um, at, at some of the um, uh, institutions in Edmonton that were serving those severely disabled individuals. I have great uh, compassion for uh, those who who live with severe uh, handicaps and disabilities, and I'm gra- glad that Alberta has by far the most generous um, income support uh, for people who are un- uh, largely unable to work because of severe disabilities. We're about 40% more generous than the next most generous province, which is Saskatchewan. Um, and I-, I do believe that we'll be, if the economy continues to grow and our fiscal situation continues to improve, uh, we will uh, be in a position 
to uh, go back to indexation uh, of of age and and other benefits and and uh, the tax system. When exactly, um, I don't know. But but um, I think we just need to see some durable proof that that we're actually on track with this balanced budget and with economic growth. Okay, so is that a yes? Well, it's a conditional yes. <laughs> my my point is this: we had to pause indexation because we inherited a eight nine billion dollar deficit, and we, you know we just had to find some. We had to get spending under control, but if we if we keep running sur- a good strong surplus, I think that option opens up in the medium term for sure. Okay, let's head back to the phones, uh, Matt in Edmonton. You're on with the premier. Hello, hey Matt, you're on Hi, with the Mr. premier. premier. Hello. Yeah, so I'm, you know, I'm very sad to see you go. I, I, uh, you, you did an amazing thing uniting the party, and I'm a member of the party, and, uh, you know, I'm sad to see you go, but what I'm hearing and reading and is COVID threw a monkey wrench in everything. But the main thing that people seem to be most upset about was, from my, from what I can tell, is the switch from there was no vaccine mandates to all of a sudden having a uh, vaccine. It's like you switched from saying there'll be never be vaccine yeah. passports, whatever you want to call them. And our next thing you know, pastors are getting hauled off to jail and people are seeing that on YouTube and so on and so forth. So my question is what, what caused you to change your mind on that issue? Sure. Well, thanks. Thanks for the good. And I think you're right. Um, that, but how many people were ticked off about that? The uh, look, uh, I was absolutely sincere in saying that we would never bring in a vaccine mandate. Now I think we did not. In fact, we're the only. We brought in a a proof of vaccination requirement uh, or a negative test option for certain um, d- discretionary activities, like going to a bar or a casino or or a hockey game. Um, and we always kept open the negative test option. But when I said no to any kind of vaccine uh, mandates in the first 18 months of COVID, uh, it was uh, because sincere. And every single Canadian premier, even Justin Trudeau, stated their opposition. Because, and, and one thing I want to underscore, we actually passed a law that removed from the Public Health Act the ability of government to force people to get vaccinated. Because I thought that was just obviously a unthinkable overreach into people's personal um, security. Now, so why, what was the change of thinking here? I'll tell you what. In mid-September of last year, we were at about 340 COVID patients in our intensive care wards. Normally, we only have about 173 intensive care beds. Um, And so we were almost 2x, we were almost 100% over our maximum baseline capacity. That was after having cancelled about half the surgeries or postponed half the surgeries in the province. And we were within about two weeks of having to, me, having to sign what's called a triage protocol authorizing AHS to pull life support off people, to deny care to others, to ask relatives to care for their loved ones because there weren't going to be enough uh, staff, and to medevac critical care patients from Alberta to Toronto, like they had to do out of Saskatchewan. And um, I just thought none of those were morally acceptable options. I, I'm, you know, as I've said to people before, I am pro-life. Um, I've, I've taken my licks for that. But for me, the, the sanctity of human life, the protection of human life is a, is a core principle. 
And um, and so we had to do something to reduce transmission at that critical point in mid-September during the Delta wave. And I desperately, I and my cabinet did not want to go back to widespread shutdown of businesses because many of them never would have survived if we'd gone back and like Quebec, like Ontario, like other provinces, if we just said all the restaurants, all the bars, all of these places are shut down indefinitely. No one can go in, shutting down the schools, hurting the um, mental well-being of kids that way, uh, the gyms. So instead of shutting those things down, we said, okay, 90% of the people in ICUs last September uh, were unvaccinated. And so, and at that time, unvaccinated people pre-Omicron had a higher propensity to transmit and be infected. So we said we need to find a way to reduce transmission amongst those people who are more vulnerable, the unvaccinated, without shutting down businesses. And reluctantly, we came to the conclusion that the only responsible approach to avoid mass deaths and a a disaster in the hospitals, while avoiding uh, broad uh, lockdown-style policies, was the proof of vaccination program. So I knew at the time that that might might be the end of my uh, political career. But I did it with a clear conscience, and I would do it again. Just to follow up to that, Mr. Kenny, um, across the country, we we did have some other conservative leaders in place through covid that seemed to, um, it's not that every decision they made was popular by any means, but in Ontario, for instance, we're about to see Doug Ford likely re-elected there. Mm-hmm. Scott Moe still is quite popular in Saskatchewan, according to most polls. So is there something you feel maybe you could have done differently in order to keep the party more united as these tough decisions were being made? Well, uh, perhaps, but I'll just say, look, God bless Alberta. We have a the, uh, one of the unique characteristics of our political culture is is a we've got a strong libertarian vibe in our political culture. And I, as I've always said, I love that about Alberta. I love that there are so many people who jealously guard their freedoms and are skeptical about government overreach because I'm naturally one of them. Um, so I think that's a, a fairly unique part of Alberta, our history and our identity. Um, but also, secondly, I those other leaders don't tolerate dissent in their own parties. I think there were four, maybe five M- members of Doug Ford's PC caucus who at one point or another spoke out against government policy, for example, on COVID, and they were all summarily thrown out. I think there were two who did not get vaccinated. He threw them out of caucus. Um, and uh, it, I have demonstrated a... Uh, the most, the, the greatest tolerance for internal dissent because I believe in the parliamentary system. And maybe one of my uh, mistakes has been um, not maintaining stronger discipline like those other leaders. Yeah, and I was actually going to follow up with that exact question. So you, you answered it before before I was able to ask it, so that's great. Um, let's get to one more call uh, before we get to the next break here. Um, let's go with Dan in Hannah. Daniel, good morning, Premier. Mr. Premier. Good morning, Dan. How are you today? Great. That's good. Uh, just wanted to thank you for all your leadership and for having a, a good backbone and standing up for Albertans whenever, whenever you could, your best. That being said, though, looks like we'll probably be headed into an election. And I'm just curious if anybody has done any work to check into an app that we could use for voting, then, you know, that way things like mask mandates or uh, sending financial aid to other places, it, 
it could be voted on by the people fairly quickly and easily. Hmm. Well, Dan, um, I know I haven't heard of any uh, proposal or work on an, an app. I think you mean probably like a wireless uh, uh, phone app for, to allow for. Uh, I think what you're talking about is referendum voting, um, and. You know, after the troubles I've seen with electronic voting in the United States and the controversy, um, I I prefer when it comes to uh, consulting the voters, I prefer the old school ballot, uh, paper ballot process. But I will say this, Dan, we did pass legislation uh, to allow for citizen-initiated referendums like they have in a bunch of U.S. states, some other countries. And that will that now allows you, if you're ticked off with the government, you don't think we're listening, uh, you and, and fellow citizens can start a legal petition. And if you get I forget the exact threshold. I think it's I think it's ten percent. If you get enough people to sign the petition, you send that in. Um, you can force a referendum vote. So there will be an election uh, in May of next year, and we could absolutely have some referendums on that forced by the people if they choose to do so and get organized around that initiative process. So that's open to Albertans now. All right. We've got to head to one more break here on Your Province, Your Premier. We'll get back to the call, uh, the phone lines rather, after these uh, quick messages. You're listening to Your Province, Your Premier on 630 Chet in Edmonton and 770 CHQR in Calgary. Welcome back to Your Province, Your Premier. Mike Tarasco filling in for Wayne Nelson this week. Wayne uh, should be back next weekend to speak with the Premier. And of course, this is your opportunity to talk directly to Premier Kenny. So let's get right back to that. Neil in Edmonton, you are on with Premier Kenny. What is your question? Hello, Premier Kenny. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Neil. Yeah, my problem is uh, I'm a senior citizen, and I've been a, I've been a conservative since my since day one. I've sure. been all years, and 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 I'll never change. My problem is our healthcare system, mm-hmm. and, and being a senior, you know, I'm, I'm, I hear my friends talking about waiting lists uh, for uh, you know MRIs and, and CTs and, and knee replacements. The, the waiting list is horrendous. And now our doctor system, you know, you can't make an appointment with the doctor. It's always a phone-in. They, they phone you back. You don't go see your doctor. Mm-hmm. So um, to me, I, you know, I, I just think our health care system's gone into the it's, – it's, it's deteriorated so badly that I think the conservatives will lose this election if we do not do something about the health care system. And my question is, why don't you bring back the – obviously, it's a money thing because uh, – you know, and our infamous leader, Trudeau, won't do anything about it. Obviously, he was oblivious to the fact. So we can only depend on you, uh, the conservative government in Alberta, to help us with our health care. So why don't you bring back those uh, premiums? Years ago, we had him, and, and I Klein in his drunken stupor rescinded him. <laughs> but we had them. Uh, remember, you paid according to what you earned. And, uh, and that seemed to help our system a bit financially. Um, I don't know if that that'll help, but we've got to do something about the health care system, or the conservatives will no longer be. We'll have NDP, sure as hell. Th- Thank well, you, Neil. Uh, thanks for your question, and I, I share some of your concerns about the health system. I'll just say, uh, first of all, in Ralph's defense, I don't think he took out the, the premiums, but in um, look, we've had significant cons- uh, pressure and problems in our health system long before COVID. COVID just made them worse. Uh, My father passed away uh, 12 years ago uh, at a hospital in Calgary. He came there with an infection at around um, 10 p.m. And he basically sat in a chair 
for over 12 hours and with no one saw him and he ended up dying a few hours after that before the tests even came back so that was a that was 12 years ago and we have through all of that time had the most expensive or second most expensive health system in Canada amongst the provinces on a per capita funding basis. So it's not been about a lack of money. And Canada is at the top of the developed world in spending on health care for publicly administered, universally insured systems. Again, it's not about so much about the money. Um, we've put a lot more money in. Uh, we've taken the health budget from... Um, uh, from about 20, uh, 19 billion and change to nearly 22 billion dollars. Uh, that's the baseline budget in addition to billions for contingency funding during COVID. Since uh, over the past year, we've added 270 more emergency department staff, 230 more paramedics. We've got 20 fully new staffed ambulances that'll be hitting the streets in Calgary and Edmonton soon. 250 uh, uh, new staff to open up. We've already opened up 19 additional ICU beds, and we're going to open another uh, 31 of those. Um, 1,800 more RNs working today than before COVID. Um, we're opening 1,500 new continuing care spaces. And uh, and so, I, I mean, I could go on. So we're hiring as many people as we can, um, recruit, trying to recruit more family physicians. But these are problems that we're facing all across Canada. And we're determined to continue expanding um, uh, capacity. We do have to deal with the overhang from COVID, particularly in the surgical system. We put $900 million behind um, doubling the number of surgeries that we contract out to privately uh, run uh, surgical facilities because they get the job done typically more quickly and less expensive. So these are some of the elements of what we are trying to do. Uh, but I, I agree with you. Canada demonstrated that our health system, um, w- w- despite our brilliant frontline professionals, was not ready for a situation like COVID right across the country. All right, we've got about uh, four minutes left in the show here. Let's go to Michelle. I believe she's got a question about uh, your future. Michelle, you're on with uh, Premier Kenny. Hi, Premier. Good morning, sir. Good morning. Um, I want to first thank you for your service and um, your leadership during this very uh, trying and dynamic times. Um, mostly a political, and so forgive me if this question sounds super simplistic, um, but I was super sad to hear you say you were going to step down. Is there anything, because I know you run one of the most inclusive governments I've ever been um, favored to or even seen, um, is there any remote possibility of that decision being um, of you taking back the reins? Um, I don't know how these things work. That's why I apologized ahead of time if it's too simplistic. But can this uh, change or is there any remote possibility of you not dropping the reins? Well, well, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate the, 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 your kind words and, and sentiment. Um, you know, Michelle, I, I made my decision on... Wednesday night, and um, I, I think that uh, given the context, uh, it, it, it's it's peculiar to me because everywhere I go, I get expressions of support like what I heard from you. But un- from my perspective, it's unfortunate that all of that support did not translate into people buying memberships and voting in the party process. And so that is what it is. Uh, it is, you know, I think in the future we're going to have to consider these things, how, you know, you you get an electoral mandate of over a million votes and um, 16,000 people can essentially upend that. Um, but that's the, the process that we have, and I have to respect it, I do respect it, and we'll continue to. 
All right, so you mentioned earlier, Premier Kenny, that you have some things on your uh, personal agenda that you'd like to cross off uh, once this whole process is wrapped up for you. Care to share? <laughs> well, uh, oh boy. I mean, <laughs> just turning off, Fishing a, or turning, or off turning off my phone, it would be one. <laughs> Getting into shape would be another. Uh, in this kind of job, I just don't find the time for exercise. I really should. Um, you know, uh, I, I might... Uh, I'm, I'm a few credits short from finishing a college degree. Oh. That might be a good thing to do. Um, I've got a half a library of unread books I want to dive into. There's a lot of friends that I, personal relationships that I've neglected because of the pressures of this job, and I, I want to do honor to those and get reconnected with, with friends. And and so those are just some of the personal personal things. I I, uh, I speak pretty good French, and I love I love other languages. I'd love to like. I'm, I would say on the low end of fluency, I'd like to not take that up to the high end of fluency. I've got some basic Spanish. I'd love to perfect that. I love, as I say, languages. So I'm going to have uh, lots of time to do some personal things, and obviously uh, we'll explore options about what to do professionally. Okay. And we've got about uh, 40 seconds left here. Can you give us just a quick glimpse? Do you have... Um, I, I know I asked earlier if you know what the timeline is, but what are what are the exact next steps for the party now? So the UCP board will appoint a leadership election organizing committee, I suspect, in the next week or so, and that, that committee will meet. They will fairly quickly, I suspect, uh, set a date, and then they'll outline the rules for the process uh, for a leadership election. Um, in the meantime, and, and by the way, I've made it clear to my cabinet that if any ministers intend on putting their name in the hat, uh, they'll have to resign uh, from cabinet. That's normal. Um, I will not endorse a candidate. I will focus on ensuring the government does the people's business. I've met with the lieutenant governor yesterday just to assure her of that, uh, that we'll maintain continuity and stability, and she can expect my uh, departure when the UCP is elected a new leader. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much for joining us once again this week. Uh, Premier Kenny, this was Your Province, Your Premier on 630 Chet and 770 CHQR.